Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Glad you guys uh, are here today for week three of Believe For It. It's a series all about increasing your faith. And if you haven't noticed, I'm a pretty simple preacher. And so I'll let you in a little behind the scenes. But when I want to help you receive at Revival, I'm going to preach about faith to lift your faith, everybody. It doesn't take, doesn't take much to kind of see through the veil of what I'm doing. I want, to, I want to raise your expectation and lift your faith. And today I specifically want to talk to those who feel like you've lost some things in your life. I am um, getting uh, older. I am not at midlife. I've decided not to have a midlife crisis. I just made that decision. And I decided even if I did, it's not yet because I want to live longer than double what I am. So this isn't midlife. I've asked God to give me 87 healthy years. And then after 87, I either one of two things going to happen. I fall apart or I go to heaven. That's it. That's what's going to happen. So, uh, so I'm not at midlife yet. But the older I get, the more I've noticed I lose everything. Is anybody... Do you have a tough time keeping things that you thought you knew where they were? Let me give you an example. I don't like anything in my pockets at all. And so when I get to anywhere, church, my office, a restaurant, your house, whatever I do, the first thing I do is empty my pockets. My keys go here. My phone goes here. My, which I've, I've done this all my life. I just don't like, I don't like the feeling of it all in my pockets. The problem is the older I get, Derek, the older I do what I do and the longer I'm, I'm on this planet, the more trouble I have remembering where I emptied my pockets. And I have lost my keys more time than I'm comfortable telling you. I have lost my phone. I thank God that Steve Jobs invented Find My iPhone. Are y'all with me on this? Where you can go to some other device and you can tell it, please ring my device. And then I tell my whole house, everybody be quiet! And somewhere, somewhere tucked into wherever I buried it, I hear the... And I find what I lost. I have lost my glasses. I've lost my glasses on my face. I've worn glasses almost all my life. And many times I have been wearing my glasses and said to my children, Who took my glasses? And my little smart aleck kids go, (laughs) I lose things all the time. Maybe you know the feeling and maybe it's more than your keys, your phone, or your glasses. Maybe you've lost some Stuff of value in your life. Maybe you've lost some stuff you didn't mean to lose in your life. Maybe you've lost some real material things, a house, a business. Maybe you've actually lost a relationship. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a child, God forbid. Parents are not supposed to bury their children. Maybe you've lost a parent, a a spouse. Maybe you've lost some other stuff. Maybe you've lost some stuff that's unseen to the natural eye. Maybe in your marriage, in your relationship, if you're married today or you're dating today or single maybe you've lost some stuff in a relationship there used to be passion in our relationship you know every time he'd look at me I just (laughs) I'd melt and every time she looked at me I'd just get butterflies (laughs) and now every time he looks at me I go what are you looking at don't look at me that way (laughs) anybody know what I'm talking about all you married people do you're just too scared to say amen to it because you do that You've lost that fire. You lost some passion. Maybe you've just lost some love. 
along the way. People don't fall out of love. People lose love. You don't fall out of love. I just fell out of love with her. You don't fall out of anything. You choose and you lose some stuff along the way. Maybe maybe you lose some understanding. Maybe it used to be harder to fight. You know, early on in your marriage when it was hard to fight, you know, you would, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I was wrong. I, I, I shouldn't have said it like that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said, I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just tired and and the longer you stay married or in a relationship, you just lose understanding and, and you start thinking, you did that on purpose, didn't you, you jerk? I know you. You did that just to push my buttons. You lose some stuff in your life. Maybe you lose some spiritual stuff in your life. Maybe you've lost some passion in your relationship with God. I want to talk to you today about losing some spiritual stuff. Maybe you've lost some passion. You used to have tons of passion for the Lord. You just get saved. You just become a Christian man. I can't wait to be in God's house. I can't wait for it. I I love this. I love everything about this. I love this church. I love the lights. I love the singers. I love the spit the guy does when he preaches. I love everything about it. I love the light. I love the screen. I love the songs. I don't even know the songs and I love it all. And then the longer you're a Christian, you sort of lose the, the, the shine goes away. You've lost joy. Matter of fact, I believe this so much. The Lord's been dealing with me. My preaching calendar for this year was already set. And I've I've reversed some stuff that I had for the fall. Uh, September, when we get out of this revival season, I'm preaching to you about, uh, about coming out of darkness and depression and anxiety and fear and worry and getting some joy back. We are in the most depressed, down, just, just my head always down, anxious for everything. Maybe you've lost joy. Maybe you think, man, I used to laugh. Like I used to enjoy my life, and now I've lost some of that. Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've, I don't think anything's worse in your life than losing hope. This is a hopeless situation. It's hopeless in this marriage. It's hopeless in the, the deal with my kids. It's just hopeless. I don't think this is ever going to change. Maybe you've lost some direction in your life. You feel like, man, I don't know which way to go. I don't have any clarity. I don't know which way to go in my life. I feel so confused. And I'm set on neutral for the last year, two years, three years, not able to really make a decision to move in any direction because I just don't, I've lost my clarity. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you've lost your faith. Oh, you're still a Christian. You still come to church. You may still serve. You may still tithe. You may still even... Raise your hands or pray, but there's just something on the inside of you. You go, I don't know that I fully buy everything that he says. I don't know that I, I don't know that I fully believe that God can do what, that what they say that God can do because God hasn't done it for me, so maybe He can't. And you've lost some stuff in your life. And today, I want to help you get your spiritual edge back. I want to give you some tools to get back some stuff you didn't mean to lose. And I'm back in the prophet Elisha's life. I didn't mean to make this series about the prophet Elisha. It just kind of happened that way. I can't seem to get out of his story. So I'll go there again. If you have your Bibles, I'm in 2 Kings. And so flip there and hold your finger at 2 Kings 6 and just listen while I catch you up. Elisha is the prophet of God. He is Elijah's mentee. You know that. Uh, Elisha... um, uh, was there when Elijah goes to heaven. He's caught in a chariot of fire. And Elisha gets a double portion of Elijah's anointing. Elisha actually does twice as many miracles as Elijah does. Look into my eyes. Let me teach you something here. 
We don't just put it on the wall in the lobby that the best is yet to come because it's catchy. We put it because I believe it in the, in the depths of my soul. That with God, there's always something better. God never runs out of everything you need. God never runs out of everything you need. And you may be looking at Elijah leaving in a chariot of fire thinking, well, that was my best day. Man, that was the highlight of my life. Man, that was all it was ever going to be. And then God shows up and says, no, that wasn't anything. I'll give Elisha double what I gave Elijah. Because the best is always yet to come. Because with God, there's always more. God always has. You haven't lived your best day. You haven't had your happiest moment. This hasn't been your best season yet. God always has more on the other side. Shout amen to that. By the way, that's faith living that you believe. With You get up tomorrow morning and go, I'm going to have a better week than I had last week. How do you know, Pastor? Because with God, there's always more. God gives Elisha more. And what he gave Elijah, double. As a matter of fact, and Elisha does double the miracles. I don't have time to teach you all the stories, but... He burns his plows and follows Elijah. They're in the valley and God sends rain. But, at, but before God sends rain in the valley, he tells Elisha to, to fill it with ditches. You got to dig ditches and, and God does that. You know, last week I told you the story where Elisha has the miracle of God doing more than is expected. That God can do more with little than you can with a lot. That you can put your not enough in the hands of more than enough. And God causes oil to keep flowing and fill the jars of this little widow woman. You know the story there. Today, we'll give you maybe a story from Elisha's life you've maybe never heard before. If you read it, it may seem strange to you. As a matter of fact, I think it's an unusual, maybe the most unusual miracle in the Bible. Not that miracles are normal or there aren't normal <laughs> miracles. Every miracle is not Normal, but this one just seems out of place. I'll show it to you in just a moment. But Elisha's experienced normal miracles. I mean, he raises the boy from the dead. He's provided oil for this widow. He heals Naaman of leprosy. He strikes this army blind. And now they're in a situation where they need God to do something abnormal. Uh, Elijah and Elisha have built a school for the prophets. It's actually called two different things, the company of the prophets or the school of the prophets. And they run out of space. They're out of space. They're out of space. Let me pause here and tell you, you're in a church that's ever-growing and running out of space, everybody. By the way, I would only hitch my spiritual wagon to something that was always growing. If it's moving backwards or dead or dry or small, if you know everybody in your church, that's not good. I want, it to, I want to look out and go, I don't know half these people. Why? Because it's growing and growing and growing and reaching and helping and ministering. Can I get a better amen, everybody? I want you to always be growing. And, and there in the situation we're kind of in right now, as a matter of fact, that's why we're, we're talking about adding a third service. We're adding a third service for people who like to sleep till 1 o'clock because we think 11 o'clock is just too early, you know, so... One o'clock's the right deal, or whatever the right time is. Why, why would you do that, Pastor? Well, we need more Dream Team, and we need to make more opportunities, and, and we need your help. I promise you we need your help on that. But I'll tell you the main reason, this is not even about what I'm preaching. I'm just letting you in behind the curtain. That when you grow, this is the stuff that happens. Just this summer, just in the two months of summer, this is an actual number. It's not hyperbole. It's not preacher speak. This is metrics. We actually we have really good metrics in our church. Just this summer, we've had 84. Five first-time families attend our church and that told us they were here just this summer, everybody. Come on, to God be the glory for that. 
Those are just people who filled out a card and told us they were here for the first time. Here's what that means. We're growing, everybody. I need you. I need you. I need you on the team. I need you giving. I need you serving because we're reaching more people. And that's where the company of the prophets are. They're growing. And they need a bigger spot, and that's where we pick the story up. You have your Bibles. 2 Kings chapter 6. The company of the prophets, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, it's on the screen. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet is too small for us. So let us go to the Jordan River where each of us can get a pole. Better translated, cut down a tree or, or you know, they're, they're going to build there. Pole is not the best word. They're actually looking for logs and they're going to build something. I don't have time to teach this to you, but if you're going to build something bigger for God to inhabit, everybody has to go get a pole. Everybody has to do your part to build something bigger. Can I get a better amen? And let us build a place there for us to meet. And Elisha said, I love this. I love Elisha, this pastor's response. Go. (laughs) I think this is great. Let me pause here. Over the course of my ministry, people have come to me and said, Pastor, do we have a ministry for fill in the blank? Pastor, you know, I really feel like God would, would have us do this ministry that we reach out just to people who work on Wednesdays from noon to four. And, and I think that there's a lot of people like that. I know I have some friends that only work from noon to four on Wednesdays, and they really can't do anything else, and they like to sleep on Sundays. Sundays is the only day they sleep. They actually sleep 23 hours on Sundays, and they can't come to church. But if we had a ministry on Wednesdays after four but before 12, that would be fantastic for them. Do we have one of those? Not y'all. People in first service are needy like this. And I wish I had Elisha's intestinal fortitude. Because they come to the pastor, Elisha, and they go, Elisha, we're running out of space. We don't have anywhere. And Elisha goes, go get it. I'm going to look at all of y'all. Look at me. If God's called you to something, go. Go get you some wood and build something. Can I get a good amen, everybody? Go do it. God's called you to it. Go start you a group. Get you a ministry. Do what God's called you to do. Elisha says, go. Good idea. Let's go build something else. Go. Go get it. Then one of them, verse 3. Then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? (laughs) And Elisha said, I will. And he went with them, verse 4. He went with them and they went to the Jordan River and began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, here it is. Here's this unusual miracle as one of them was cutting down a tree the iron axe head that he's using to cut down the tree i want you to catch this he's got this axe he's 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 hacking away at the bottom of this tree and the axe head falls off of the handle and into the water the man who has the axe in his hand who's cutting down the tree and the axe head falls into the water he says oh no my lord he cried out it was borrowed In other words, I didn't have the tools I needed, but somebody else, I borrowed those tools. This is how I know this story takes place in Texas. Because if I ain't got it, I know there's some country boys that got an axe somewhere I can borrow. Come on, somebody. There's somebody that knows something. Somebody says, Pastor, when you bought a truck, do you know how to work on your truck? No. I just know somebody. (laughs) Do do you know how to skin a deer? No. I'm just going to shoot it and I'm going to bring it to one of these country boys and let them do it. I know somebody. Come on, everybody. And so he said, I didn't have an axe, so I borrowed it. So now I've broken, listen to me, now I broke the axe that I borrowed, and the axe head is now gone. I've lost it, and it was borrowed. Verse 6, this is it. The man of God asked, underline this in your Bible, where did it fall? Where 
did it fall. And when the man showed Elisha the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it in the Jordan River, and made the iron that had sunk to the bottom of the Jordan float to the top. That's the miracle. Verse 7. Underline this next line in your Bible. Matter of fact, after you underline it, look at the screen and read it out loud. Everybody say, verse 7 says, lift it out. Say that again. Say that again. Lift it out. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. This guy goes and borrows this axe from a friend and God uses the prophet Elisha. The miracle is that the iron axe head floats to the top of the Jordan River. That's the miracle. Now that's what I mean when I tell you this is a strange miracle because you see other miracles that make sense. There's sickness, there's death, there's other, you know, there's victory in war, that kind of thing. But an axe head floating doesn't seem to be a big deal, but it is a big deal because this iron is worth so much. It's valuable. I mean, this is not something that they could just lose. This is a very, very valuable. This took, imagine, you don't have modern tools, you don't have modern ways, and this is a valuable piece of machinery, and it's not even his. It's borrowed from somebody else. It has super high value to this man. It has super high value in this story, and now it's lost. It's at the bottom of the Jordan River. Write this in your notes if you're taking notes. Write it down even if you're not taking notes. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. God knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. I want to talk to you this morning for just a couple of moments on losing and regaining your spiritual edge. Maybe there's some stuff in your life you didn't mean to lose. I didn't mean for it to go this way. Rarely do I meet with people who say, man, I, I just decided I was done with God. I was done with prayer. I was done with worship. I was done with spiritual family. I'm just out. No. Mainly it never, it almost never happens that way. Mainly it happens like this. I don't know what happened, Pastor. I don't know where it went wrong. But something in my life shifted and I lost something I didn't mean to lose. Maybe it's a friendship in your life. And, and you used to have Christian community. You used to have people around you that encouraged you and brought you to prayer meeting. And people around you that came with you and sat with you and encouraged your relationship with God. And now, now you got a group of friends that hold you back and hold you down and take you backwards. And you don't know exactly what happened. I didn't mean to lose spiritual family. I didn't mean to leave church. I didn't mean to be out of church that long. Over the last three and a half years, I've met people who've come, I've met people who come back to church this summer. This true story. This summer, who walked in this building and said, "You know what? We hadn't been at church since COVID. We don't know why. It just kind of happened. You know, we just got out of the habit. You know, we just we just quit meeting. By the way, let me pause here and tell you that's why it doesn't matter what happens, come hell or high water." We, church is essential, and we will always be a gathering together kind of church. Can I get a better amen, everybody? That's going to be true. You don't mean to. It's just easy. It's easy to sleep when you slept last Sunday to sleep this Sunday. <laughs> it's just easy. Brunch, I don't know why it is, but women love them some brunch. They don't like breakfast. Mark, they don't like lunch. But you put them jokers together, they love them some brunch. I don't know why. Brothers are simple. Breakfast, lunch, my women, brunch. Brunch is right in the middle of church time. 
And when you go to brunch somewhere, you realize every, all the other sinners are at brunch. All the Christians have to eat breakfast and lunch, but you got to eat brunch. By the way, first service people eat brunch too because they come early, but anyway. It's just easy. I like it. I didn't mean to lose it. I didn't mean to stop coming. I didn't mean to stop serving. It just happened this way. I used to have joy when I served. I used, it used to be an honor to be on the dream team. I used to love what I got to do. I used to, now it's an obligation. Now I just feel like if I don't say yes, they're going to make me feel bad. And there's an expectation and I've lost the joy, the privilege of I get to serve God's house. I get to be on the team. I get to use my gifts to bring people to Jesus. It's an honor for me. Maybe you didn't mean to lose it. You just lost it some way. I, I, maybe you've lost the passion in your life for praying. Man, when you got saved or not long ago or a few years ago or a few months ago, you used to have a passionate, vibrant, red-hot prayer life. You could get in the presence of God and you could talk to the Lord. And now, I don't, you don't know what happened. It just, it just went away. I've just lost it. Maybe worship. Man, you used to love to worship God. And the band would start and your hands would go up and tears would fall out of your eyes and you'd sing at the top of your lungs. Now you're just disconnected. And everybody else is worshiping and you don't feel it. And you don't know. You just lost it. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to lose this. Maybe it's your desire to win people to Jesus. You know, when you first get saved. Man, you want to tell everybody about it. You know, you get saved in college. You want to go tell everybody. Guess what, guys? I got saved. Jesus changed my life and you're all going to hell. <laughs> You know, you just, you got to tell everybody, you can't wait. You just, you just, you can't wait to do it. Now you hadn't led anybody to Christ in a year or two years or five years or you can't remember the last time you brought somebody to Jesus. Maybe, maybe it's eroded standards. You used to have some, these are getting harder if you don't know that. You, you, maybe you used to have some standards and boundaries and guardrails in your life that you say, you know what, here's the line. I'm not crossing this line. I, I, I'll go here and then I'm not doing that. I, I, I don't talk like that. I don't go there. I don't, you, I don't do that. I used to say no to that. And then eventually over time you've just lost these standards and you end up crossing lines that you drew in the sand for a reason. And you don't know how. And then you get cynical. And you don't know where you got cynical about church. You used to be teachable. Had a teachable, coachable spirit. Now you're cynical about everything. Well, that's what I, I bet they would say that. I bet they would talk about serving here. I, I bet they do talk about money. I bet they do talk about time. Well, I know that's just the church always talking about people doing stuff. I guess this church is like all the other churches that run on volunteers. I guess, I guess this is I, this is fine. That's fine. I guess he would talk like that. Oh yeah, this I've heard this before. I've heard this. You become a knower and not a learner. Cynical. Hard heart, not y'all. I, I had to put that in there for first service. I don't know where I lost it, but I've lost my spiritual edge. I didn't mean to drift from God. I've met with too many people in my office who said, Pastor, I didn't mean for it to go this far. I didn't mean to get this bad. I didn't mean for this addiction to go this far. I didn't mean for this relationship outside of my marriage to go to this point. I didn't mean to drift this far from God. I just stopped praying. I, I, don't, I don't have time for a daily devotion anymore. Maybe you got sucked into the empty pursuit of materialism and chasing money and chasing stuff and chasing houses and trucks and ranches and stuff. And that, may, may, Maybe you're in a cycle of depression and you don't know where you got lost. 
but you lost joy along the way. There used to be peace in your heart and contentment and you liked what you had. You were good and you had joy and then social media sucked you into its evil plot to make you compare your real life with somebody else's Instagram life. And you get sucked in this cycle of comparison. I don't have what they have. Our marriage isn't like their marriage. Our house isn't like their house. Our vacation isn't like their vacation. What I have isn't as good as what they have. And then you go through this cycle of comparison, affirmation, where you feel inadequate and then you get depressed. And when you get depressed, guess what you do? You scroll Instagram where you realize that your marriage is not as good as their marriage. And then you feel like I'm comparing that. And then I feel like I don't have what they have and I'm inadequate. And the inadequacies leads me to depression. And guess what I do when I'm depressed? I scroll social media and I realize that you got a better church than I got. Are you with me, everybody? And you don't know where you lost it. You've lost joy and peace. You've lost the spiritual edge. I've never met an addict who said, I meant to do this. I meant to get this deep in pornography. I meant to go this far with alcohol. I meant to go this far with prescription pills. Never. Never. They just say, I, I, I just lost it somewhere. Along the way. Here, I, I got good news for you. I know that's pretty heavy. I got I to gotta pull you out on Revival Week. I got to pull you out. I got to get your spiritual edge back. As a matter of fact, that's why we're doing Revival, so that I can get your spiritual edge back. Hey, let me let you a little secret here. Revival's not just for lost people. Revive, as a matter of fact, Revival isn't exclusively for lost people. As a matter of fact, Revival isn't about lost people. Reviving things is reviving things that used to be alive. It's for you to get your spiritual edge back. I didn't mean to lose it. God isn't just concerned with the major stuff of your life. God's concerned with what you lost. God's concerned about the trials of your life. God's concerned about your prayer life. God's concerned. Write this in your notes if you're taking notes. God cares about what you lost. God cares about what you lost. You say, well, it doesn't matter to God. God's got big stuff to worry about. God doesn't mind that I don't have a quiet time with the Lord. God doesn't matter that I don't serve anymore. It doesn't really matter to God that I've let go of some of that spiritual stuff. It doesn't matter who my friends are. No, no, no. God cares about you. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else I say, look into my eyes and hear this. God cares about you. God, He's not here to condemn you. I'm not here to condemn you. I don't want you to feel guilty, but I do want you to feel the caring, wrapping, loving arms of a father who says, I care about what you've lost. I care that it's hurting in your heart. I care that there's no joy and spark in your eyes anymore. I care that you have the anxiousness and the depression and all of the anxieties and fears and worries of this world that keep you awake at night. I care that your heart is racing, that your heart you just can't, it's just beating out of your chest with worry. I care about what you've lost. I care about your friends. I care about your mental health. I care about your emotional life. I care about your broken heart. I care about your relationship. I care about your marriage. I care. God cares about what you lost. God cares about what you lost. You say, show me. I'll show you. I'm glad. Luke 12. Watch this. Luke 12 and verse 6. Are not five sparrows... Sold for two pennies. Now listen, listen, I'm not a math major. I'm not a math major. But if five sparrows are served for two pennies, then two sparrows are sold for one penny, and God throws the fifth one in for free. Y'all with me? Sparrows are so inconsequential that you can get two for a penny or five for two pennies. God throws the fifth one in for free. Now watch this. Yet not one sparrow that are so insignificant and so inconsequential to the destiny of the world 
Not one sparrow. One for two for one penny, five for two pennies, and not one of them falls from the sky that they are forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head, verse 7, are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Listen to me. One translation says it like this, that you could get two sparrows for one penny, five sparrows for two penny, and not one of them dies that the father doesn't attend his funeral. God, your father, attends the funeral of a worthless bird. He cares about your He cares about your mental health. He cares about how you're sleeping at night. He cares about your joy. He cares about your broken heart. He cares about your marriage thriving. He cares about vibrancy on the inside of you. He cares that there's no light in your eyes anymore. He cares about the passion of your heart. He cares about your calling. He cares when you fall and when you lose your spiritual edge. He cares. He cares. God's is concerned about... Your life. He cares about your prayer life. He cares about your worship. He cares about your, he cares about your thoughts. He cares about your conversation. He notices and he cares when you lose something. So what do you do? How do you get your edge back? I'm glad you asked. I'll, I'll teach it to you. How do I get my spiritual edge back? How do, how, how do I make the most of it? My faith goes to work for me. James says it like this. Says that faith without what? Works is dead. How do you get faith to work for you? How do you get your spiritual edge back? How do you find something you didn't mean to lose? How do you find that passion again? How do you find that love again? How do you find joy again? Spiritual vibrancy again? How do you find it? Number one, write this in your notes. You got to be honest about where you lost it. You got to, everybody say out loud, say be honest. You got to be honest about where you lost it. You got to be honest about where you lost it. Lost it. You got to be honest about I always think it's funny when I try to lie to God. <laughs> uh, I don't know, God. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, I, uh, God, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, let me see. I don't, I, I don't think anything's changed. <laughs> you got to be honest. About where you lost it. Second Kings 6 and 6. Your alarm's going off. Second King. Somebody wake up. Second King. 6 and 6. Here's what the Bible says. Listen. Watch. The man of God asked. Where did it fall? That's what I want you to underline in your Bible. Where did it fall? Where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? Where did it fall? Where did it fall? Where'd you lose that joy? Where'd you lose that passion? Where'd you lose that spirit of excellence? Where'd you lose your joy? Where'd you lose your prayer life? Where'd you lose it? I'm married to a godly woman. I've been married 23, almost 24 years now. And she's the wife of my youth. We got married when we were nine. And because of my recent mental struggles, my keys. I'll say, babe, I can't find my keys anywhere. I've looked everywhere. Cannot find my keys. When the kids took my keys, I bet that stupid dog ate my keys. My, it's just the way I talk. My loving, godly, Holy Ghost filled wife. 
says what every loving, godly, Holy Ghost-filled woman in this house says to their husband. What is it? Did you look? Did you look in the last place you had it? Did you look in the last place you had it? Did you look? This I'm telling you, this is her, God, this is her spirit of discernment. This is her spirit-led encouragement of the man of God. Did you look where you put them last? Babe, I can't find my glasses. Have you looked where you had them last? Oh, that's good, smart out. Guess what? Here's, here's what? here's what aggravates me most. This is not a marriage lesson. This is therapy for me. Here's what aggravates me the most. You know where I find my keys? Last place I had them. You know where my glasses are every time? Last place I had them. You know where my phone is every time? No, my kids took it. That's where it is. My kids took my phone. That one was a trick. My kids are on my phone. But everything else is in the last place I had it. Look at me. Your prayer life's in the last place you had it. Your peace is in the last place you had it. Your trust in God's in the last place. If that last church hurt you and you laid down trust there, guess where it is? It's in the last place you laid it down. If you've let the cares of this world affect your heart and now there's anxiety and fear and worry, guess where it is? It's laying right at the feet of whatever news channel you can't not put inside of your... It's, you've laid it down and you left it there. It's in the last place you had it. If, 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 if godly friends, or if you've if you got influences in your life that aren't encouraging your relationship with God, aren't, in, aren't, aren't strengthening you, aren't bringing you closer to Jesus, they're bringing you further, guess where it is? It's in the last place you put it. It's, it's where, where did it fall? Listen to me. The axe head, here's what I love about this miracle. It is not gone. It's just where you left it. And Elisha did not say, Andrew, listen. Elisha did not say, I'll resurrect the axe head. I'll recreate an axe head. Elisha says, where'd you lose it? Take me to the place where it fell. And if you're going to, listen, if you're going to let revival spirit get on the inside of you, if you're going to get your spiritual edge back, you're going to have to be honest with God. Here's where it fell. Here's where it fell in. Where did you lose your edge? Where did you take a wrong turn? Where did you start to go bad? What relationship did you get into that you knew you shouldn't have got into? That your girlfriends told you, do not date that thug. Don't do it. That brother ain't no good. Do not get tangled up. What would you do? Got tangled up in the last place you left it. What, what, what happened in your life to Bible reading? It's the last time you opened your Bible. What happened to the last small group? It's the last one you attended. That's where it's at. When's the last time you stopped tithing? The last time you tithed. That's when. You just left it. The good news, listen to me, the good news of this miracle is the axe head isn't lost. You just have to go back to where it fell. And your spiritual life, listen, the devil will tell you all hope is gone. Love's gone. Peace is gone. Your new normal is no joy. Your new normal is no passion. Your new normal is this cold experience when you go to church and you can't really experience the presence of God like you used to. You'll never really have that calling on your life again. You'll never really have that chance to do what God's called you to do again. You'll really never have that thing on the inside of you, that passion burning again. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Listen, it is wherever it fell in, that's where it still is. It's wherever you left it. That's where it still is. And God, listen, God will help you go get it back. I know you thought your habit wasn't hurting anybody. But it's where you left it. I know that Christian let you down. 
And you think, how could somebody who loves Jesus do that to me? And you've let bitterness set in. And it's where you left it. You just got to be honest. And Elisha goes, tell me where it fell. Take me to where it fell. And the Bible says, I love this. The Bible says, he took him to right where it fell. He said, this is it. If you don't catch anything I tell you, one of the most profound things I'm going to teach you is this next sentence. Listen to me. Now that says something. Because I say a lot. <laughs> it, this is the kind of stuff you need to put on that bathroom mirror and keep with you for the rest of your life. You are only as sick as your secrets. You are only as sick as your secrets. You are only as bound to that thing as you keep that thing to yourself. The moment you open up your life and get honest with God, God will help you recover everything you lost. But as long as you keep it a secret, as long as you keep it hidden, as long as you keep blaming everybody else for why you don't have a prayer life, why you don't have fasting in your life, why there's no more Bible reading, why your friends left you, why you're not committed, why you don't serve, why you have no peace, why you got no joy. As long as you do that, you're going to stay as sick as your secrets. But the moment you open your heart up and God goes, where did it fall in? And you say, right here. Here it is, God. Here's what happened. Here's when I walked out. Here's when I walked away. Here's when I stopped. Here's where I left it. And God can begin to heal what you didn't mean to lose. Got to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. You got to be honest. Quit saying this is just who I am. This is not who you are. You are not the best version of you when you're disconnected from the Lord. You're not the best version of you when you're not spiritually alive. You're not the best version of you when you don't have vibrancy on the inside of you. This is not just who you are. This is who you've become, but it's not who you are. You are a God-called, on-purpose, spirit-filled, vibrant, life-giving child of the Most High God. That's who you are. You just got to be honest about where it fell in. Take me to where it fell in. Take me to where it fell in. And then here's number two. There's only two today because they're playing the music. The third one's really good, but they shut me down. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Number two. With God's help, you can take back what you lost. Now listen, I want you to write it just like that. With God's help, you take back what you lost. With God's help, you take back what you lost. With God's empowerment, with God's grace, with the help of the Lord, you take back what you lost. Here it is, 2 Kings 6, 6 and 7. So when he showed him the place, he got honest, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in the Jordan River and made the iron float. Watch this. He made the iron head, the, the axe head made of iron float to the top of the Jordan River. Verse 7. Lift it out. Look at me. God will bring it to the surface, but you got to lift it out. God will bring it to the surface. Matter of fact, He's doing it in your life right now. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you and bringing it to the surface. Hey, you, you, you know what he's talking about. You know that vibrancy. You know that prayer life. You know that stuff you used to, you know that worship you used to have. You know that stuff. God will bring it to the surface. The miracle belongs to God. God's not asking you to do a miracle. God will make the iron float to the top. But God will not lift it out of the water for you. you got to reach your hand in. The man reached out his hand. He took it. 
Guess what Revival Nights is? Close your Bible, look into my eyes. Guess what Revival Nights is? It's a chance for you to reach back in and pull it back out. God will bring it to the surface. God will bring it to the surface. God will bring it to the surface. Matter of fact, the last three weeks, God will bring your lack of faith to the surface. God will bring that lack of vibrancy to the surface. God will bring some of that stuff. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. God will talk to you, but you're going to have to reach back in. This is the story of Elisha, by the way. God, I need rain. Okay, dig a ditch. God, we need oil. Okay, gather jars. God, I lost my axe head. Okay, I'll make it float, but you have to lift it out. you got to just decide, I'm going to take back what I lost. Got to bring it to the surface, but you got to lift it out. Now let me teach you, i got just, I'm, I'm over time, i got just a few seconds. Let me teach you what Revival Nights will do. This is the practical part, by the way. Let me teach you why revival is so important. Why? But let me teach you why this is the perfect place to get your spiritual edge back. Let me teach you how. Let me give you some practical hows. Let me say it better that way. You ought to come early. You ought to, you ought to be here early and pray. The reason why prayer meeting is so important tonight at 630, because we're going to cover in prayer. Prayer does not, listen, it does not always make God change his mind, but it gets my heart ready to receive what God's going to do. You all with me, everybody? Sometimes prayer changes God. It happens in, in the Bible. God extended the life of Hezekiah. In the Bible, because he prayed and asked the Lord for a longer life, and God gave it to him. But sometimes it doesn't change God. Most of the times it changes you, changes me. So come early. Meet new friends in the lobby. I'm, I'm just telling you how to get spiritual edge back. If you feel disconnected, don't stand there talking to the same three people you talked to last week and the week before that and the week before that. There are other nice people in this church. And if you're not a nice person, don't come to church here. I've got another church I'd like to send you to. They're full of mean people, and they need more, just like you. I'm kidding, just a little bit. Not much. <laughs> They're full of great people. Go meet them. Don't leave here and go, you know what, that church, I just don't have any, I don't have any friends, I don't have any connection, nobody like me. You can't just bolt out of here and then say, I've got no friends. Stick around, meet somebody in the lobby. Sit close to the front. I'm giving you some practice. I'm just pastoring now. I've preached for the last 30 minutes. Let me pastor Sit close to the front. Do you know, do you know how easy it is to get distracted the further back you sit? You see everything. People sneezing, people coughing, people scratching, people falling, people stuff all over the kids acting up. You know how easy it is to look at every squirrel that moves around when you sit in the back? If you need to hear from God and need a miracle, get yourself to the front of the room. If you need your spiritual edge back, fight for the front. You don't listen, you don't have to clap. There's just going to come a day this, this message is going to resonate with you because you've lost something you didn't mean to lose. I'm teaching you how to get it back. Fight for distraction-free. Engage with the person sitting next to you. Look at the person to your left. Left. Look at the person to your right. If you don't know them, meet them. Meet them. Not right now. Afterwards. These are the most important people you'll sit next to at Revival. The people on your left and on your right. Get to know them. You're about to worship with them, sing with them, pray with them, cry with them. Get to know them. Church, you'll get, you'll get some spiritual edge. I promise you, you'll get back in your car going, you know what? I like this church. I like these people. I like that guy. Because you'll get some spiritual edge. Revival is a great place to get it back to worship. Let me, let me just encourage you. Don't, don't be an observer. Don't be a spectator. Be a participator. 
We are a worshiping church. Now, let me, I don't have time to teach. I'm done. All my time's gone. We, it's not just our style. It's Bible worship. Bible worship is we raise our hands. Bible worship is we clap. And listen, all the white people, look at me. We clap on the one and three. We, we don't clap on one and three. We, you're supposed to clap on two and four. But white people clap on one and three. Look, I want you to find you a Latina or a brother in the room at Revival and whatever they're clapping on, clap with them. This will help you. I'm just trying to help you get your edge back. We're a clapping, joyful, hand-raising, singing loud. You say, I don't sing good. You don't have to sing good. The Bible says make a joyful noise. Blessed assurance. Just sing it with all you got. We're singing Blessed Assurance, by the way. You just got to sing. I'm just giving you your spiritual edge. You can't come to revival for three nights and go, I didn't get anything and not put anything into it. You're going to have to reach your hand in the Jordan and lift it out. Lift it out. Lift it out. Lift it out. And if you'll do, if, if you'll engage with preaching, amening is not just our style. It's Bible. You confirm the word of the Lord when you reply to the preacher. Did you know that? When you say amen, that's not just our style. Two things happen. You, you, open, you, you agree with God's word in your life, and you open permission for somebody else in the room to agree with God's word in their life. We call it an amen in the room to our staff. There ought to always be an amen in the room because it unlocks God's word for you, and it unlocks it for somebody next to you. You know in the Bible when they discovered the book of the law, they discovered Deuteronomy, the Bible said every person in the nation of Israel stood on their feet for two weeks while they read it out loud. That's an amen in the room. That's just saying, this is for me. This is for me. And then come to the front. I'm asking everybody in this church at some point during this revival to get down to the front. There'll be prayer partners here. Our altars open the whole service. Find a prayer partner. Come to the front. Everybody. Don't, 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 don't sit back and just think that. And if you will, here's what I'll tell you. This is my last thing and I'll pray for you. If you will, you will get your edge back. Here's the promise of God. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 3. Here's the promise of the Lord. God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He will. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces. Look at this. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all of the places where you were scattered. Verse 4. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. He'll bring you back to where you were. And it will be yours again. Bow your heads and close your eyes. It will be yours again. If this message is for you, nobody's looking around. If you say, Pastor, I feel like I've lost some spiritual stuff. There's an edge I used to have that I've lost. And I didn't mean to. I didn't. I don't, I, honestly, it just, it just happened the way it happened but here I am, and I feel like I've lost some stuff. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, I've lost some spiritual edge. Keep your hand raised to the Lord. So, Holy Spirit, I need it back. God, I just ask you again, would you help me to find that stuff I lost? Be honest. Here's where I lost it. Here's what happened. Here's what I went through. Here's the stuff that, that led me to this place. Here, here's the disappointment. Here's the letdown. Here, here, here's the hurt. Here's the, here's the confusion. Here, here's the friend. Here's what happened. I lost it in this particular area, so I need it back. So God, here it is. 
And I'm going to do everything I can to reach in and grab it for myself. I'll do everything I can, God. If you'll just bring it to the surface, I'll do everything I can to to, to reach in and grab it. God, I'm going to take advantage of this week. I'm going to take advantage of this season of faith that we're in to reinvigorate. God, I need that stuff again in my life. I'm going to find it again in my life. I'm going to find that stuff I lost. I'm going to go reach for it, grab for it, and pull it back into my life. With your eyes closed and your hands down. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe more likely, you've just disconnected. Somewhere along the way, you've just walked away, lost some stuff. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord. I can't pray this prayer for you, but let me pray it with you. Everybody in the room, say this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. That God raised you from the dead. Here's the part that you got to pray from the depths of your soul. So I give you my whole life. I give you every part of me, the secret part of me. I open up my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. I'll serve you every day of my life. Save me today and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.